There's another phrase that I think is getting some attention right now in that OSM is you know, more than just an online community, but really it's a community of communities. Welcome to another episode of the Mapscaping Podcast. My name is Daniel and this is a podcast for the geospatial community. My guest on the show today is Jennings Anderson. He is a geoinformation research scientist who has spent a lot of time looking at the evolution of OpenStreetMap. So a wee while ago, a significant milestone was passed in terms of the evolution of OpenStreetMap. And that milestone was the 100th millionth change set was uploaded to OpenStreetMap. So I'm reading directly from the blog post now. And it says, this milestone represents a collective contribution of nearly 1 billion features globally in the past 16 plus years by a diverse community of over 1.5 million mappers. So this is huge. So by now you've probably guessed that today on the podcast we're going to be talking about the evolution of OpenStreetMap. We're going to be talking about the community. Who are these people that are creating all these edits that are uploading these change sets and what OpenStreetMap as a project might look like in the future. Hey Jennings. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for doing this with me. Really appreciate your time. Today, we're going to be talking about OpenStreetMap. Perhaps we could start with just a brief introduction. Who are you and, and how did you get involved with OpenStreetMap? Yeah, my name is Jennings Anderson and I'm a geoinformation scientist and I've been researching the evolution of OpenStreetMap for the past seven years or so. I was first introduced to OSM at the beginning of graduate school at the University of Colorado Boulder. This was back in 2014, and I was looking specifically at humanitarian mapping in OSM. This was around the time that HOT, the humanitarian OpenStreetMap team, was introducing the version 2 of their tasking manager, which helps people better coordinate humanitarian mapping in OSM. Humanitarian mapping is when hundreds or now thousands of, of mappers uh, converge on the map and create data in response to humanitarian relief. I really dove headfirst into the analysis at the time looking at the response to the 2010 Haiti earthquake and Typhoon Haiyan in the Philippines in 2013. In doing so, I learned that there were a number of tools available for working with OSM data to make a map. But when it came to data analysis, specifically looking at you know, the full historical data set of, of OSM, there were far fewer tools available. And it was really then that I discovered that OSM is so much more than a map and a database. It's really a global community of mappers. You know, questions about OSM, how it's evolved, go so much deeper than just looking at the features on the map, such as the roads or the buildings. It's really about the community. And so I take what I came to call a contributor-centric approach to OSM analysis, as opposed to a data-centric approach. And this includes questions that stem from how many mappers are working on the map, when, who they are, and what types of changes they're making, as opposed to just questions about how much data exists or does not exist in that region. I've kind of said before, when it comes to OSM data quality, it's not necessarily a question of, is the map of an area good enough? It's when will the map of an area become good enough for whatever use case one may have. With thousands of mappers making millions of edits every day, the map is really only moving in one direction over time, and that's improving. I think I've also had some really good timing. Many great folks all around the world had similar questions with regards to OSM data quality. We were all developing approaches to some of the same questions in parallel, and then meeting up at conferences to discuss the challenges and the successes that we were having. So fast forward about six years, the title of my PhD dissertation was Contributor-Centric Analytics for OpenStreetMap. 
approaches to full-stack metadata-driven analysis infrastructure for an open geospatial data platform. I know that's quite a mouthful, but all that is to say that I've been studying OSM for a number of years now and have been very fortunate to have collaborated and continue to collaborate with companies like Mapbox, Development Seed, Facebook, the Youth Mappers organization that supports thousands of student mappers all around the globe, and researchers at the Heidelberg Institute for Geoinformation Technology, as well as many other academic researchers in this growing domain of OpenStreetMap data analysis. So that's, uh, that's what brings us to today, and thank you very much for having me on. That was the most amazing in-depth introduction that anyone has ever given on the podcast. Congratulations, and, and, thank, you, and thank you very much. I think I'm going to have to go back and listen to this again, just to make sure that I got it all. A couple of things that really, really stood out for me there. My, my next question was actually going to be, like, what is OSM? But I think you answered it. You said it's more than a database. It's more than a, a map. It's a community. And then you talked about this need to understand what was driving the community? Who is the community? Why are they doing what they're doing? Maybe we could start off there. Why are they doing what they're doing? Who is the community and, and how do you know? Yeah. So OSM has been around since uh, 2004 and it was initially started as a substitute for official hard to obtain spatial data. And so Steve Coe started it as a, as a student at University of College London. And then the project really just kind of took off. People come online and contribute local knowledge um, or any other, you know, spatial data that they may that they may have and know about. And it's grown now to over 1.6 million contributors have ever actually edited the map, which I think is just an, an incredibly impressive number. There's another phrase that I think is getting some attention right now in that OSM is, you know, more than just an online community, but really it's a community of communities. Patricia Solis has really been has been talking about about this term in some of her work. And what I mean by that is there's, you know, we have the humanitarian mappers in OSM, people who are focused on contributing data from a humanitarian uh, perspective. We have the hobbyists that have been around for for years contributing very specific, uh, you know, niche knowledge uh, here and there. We now have a large community of corporate actors who are contributing data, presumably in relation to kind of their corporate interest and their, and their data use case, local communities all around the world, local chapters. It's impressive how OSM really is a little bit of everyone in the map. I just want to make sure I've understood this. Earlier in the conversation, we talked about a change set, and we've also used the words editing quite a bit. Are they the same things? Is a, is a change set a single edit? Is it a group of edits? Well, could, could you just define that for us? Certainly, certainly. In OSM, there are three types of uh, what they call OSM elements. You have nodes, which are just your points, ways, which is a, basically a line, right? A collection of points, and then relations, which kind of are, are a collection of nodes, ways, and more relations. And so a node might just be like a, a drinking fountain or a statue. A way would be, say, a, a road or a building. And then a relation could be, you know, the collection of all the ways that make up a country outline. And so each of those elements, an edit to any one of those single pieces would be considered a, a change to the database. That would be an edit. And a change set is kind of the logical grouping of all the edits. When someone's performing edits in OSM using whichever tool they might be using to do these edits, the most popular, uh, especially among newcomers, would be the ID editor which is uh, just built right into the main website. And you can go in there and you can make a whole bunch of changes to these OSM elements. And then when you press save, 
that will submit what we call a, a change set. And the change set can have some metadata with it, the time it was uh, created, who the user was who made these changes, as well as, you know, you can put hashtags and comments to let other users know, other mappers know why you made that edit or what imagery you used to make that edit, et cetera. And so that then helps, you know, analysts further down the, down the road know what was happening there in the map when that edit occurred. So in, in other online communities, if we think of Wikipedia, for example, the Wikipedians need to come to a consensus and agree on something before it gets published to, to Wikipedia. Is this the same thing that's happening in OSM? If I create a point of interest, for example, does everybody need to agree that that actually exists or that that is called what it's actually called? How does that work? Certainly. So best, best practices say that, you know, you should map what the physical world represents. And so best case, if you do map something and name it, I should be able to go to that place in the real world and see that that, that is mapped in the right place and that the, the name and the information is, is accurate. And I don't think that anyone would take a problem with me updating that piece of information that you added to the map to reflect reality as, as it was there if there was something different. In terms of reaching a, a consensus, it's possible you could get back and forth into these kind of like edit wars on if someone disagreed on how something should be mapped. But then that typically gets elevated to the data working group to oversee those types of conflicts and, and find a resolution. But Overall, I think it's, it's pretty amazing that you know, there are millions of edits happening every day and not that much conflict truly around what, what, is, uh, what is truth. It's just um, thousands of mappers trying to, trying to map the world around them. I think it's absolutely amazing what's happening. I mean, it's an incredibly diverse community with a diverse set of interests, but they're, as you said earlier, converging on the map and improving it, adding to it, making it better for everyone. It is truly amazing. I just want to stay with this idea of updating features and coming to a consensus just for a second. I'm curious about a situation perhaps where we have a politically disputed geographical border. How would OSM deal with that? If I, if I go to Google, for example, that shows me what I want to see, you know, depending what land I'm in. Let's say I'm in India, for example, I'll see the border the way I understand it in India. If I go to China, I'll see the border the way the Chinese understand the border. How does OSM deal with, deal with those kinds of issues? That's a really great question. There is a very active mailing list and a wiki uh, where a lot of these discussions kind of get hashed out. One of the more recent examples would probably be the borders in, in Ukraine and, and Crimea around some of this work. And it definitely does kind of come to community consensus based on the discussions on the mailing lists, um, as well as you know when things get really problematic, they do get escalated up to the data working group to kind of make the final final call. But that's you know, these are people that are kind of chosen by the community and that, that that's not necessarily a single person's decision. And, and those decisions get made with some level of community agreement and definitely just get hashed out across the, the mailing list and wikis. Okay, so we've talked a little bit about the community. We've talked about the diverse set of people coming together to make the map better. We've talked about how we might resolve conflicts in, in terms of mapping. But I, I can see an, another really interesting thing here. Earlier when we talked about the community, you mentioned that there was you know, private people doing this, but there was also corporations interested in editing the map. I, I could perhaps understand why a private person might want to update the map. They might have you know, hiking outdoor interests, that they might just want to uh, use the data themselves. But could you talk to us what a company is getting out of this? What corporations, what value they see in OpenStreetMap? Certainly. So when it comes to... <laughs> 
mapping the world. OpenStreetMap, the greatest thing about the data is that it's, you know, it's free, openly editable, will always be free and can be used really for, um, for any purpose. The data is released under the ODBL. Uh, the open database license, which says that, you know, anyone can take this, this data and really do whatever they want with it, as long as they provide proper attribution to the contributors. So when it comes to businesses looking for corporations, looking for spatial data of the world to put into their products and into their maps, OpenStreetMap becomes really a fantastic data set to, to use, um, as opposed to say, you know, paying another commercial uh, provider. And more than that, in many parts of the world, OpenStreetMap is really the highest quality data, sometimes because it's the only source of digital spatial information. So to that end, um, a number of companies have begun consuming OSM data uh, and putting it into their products. And they're also employing teams of editors to uh, ensure quality. And as they're coming across errors in the map, they're not just making those changes in their own map, but they're actually making those changes upstream in the main database. So everyone's kind of able to, to benefit from that. So yeah, as I've said before, like companies like say Apple, Facebook, Microsoft, um, who are, you know, using some of this, this data, they each have teams and say that each one of them, you know, edits a road and, and, um, or adds a building. Each one of those teams now gets three buildings on their map, right. As opposed to just doing this work individually. So it's this incredible site of collaboration among people trying to to map the map the world corporations alike do you think some of these really big players do you think they are looking at this as almost like a, a battleground like a chance to rival google so with, with the thinking that the enemy of my enemy is my friend hmm. i think that's maybe that's maybe one yeah what maybe one way to look at it that's maybe not too too far from from reality, I mean, Facebook is now consuming OSM data to power the maps um, in their products, and you know their goal with with OSM is to is to make sure that OSM is the highest quality, most complete map data source that they can pull in to to give you know their users the the most complete experience. Microsoft, Uber, Lyft, Apple, you know, all the all the same things. So in that regard, they're choosing to you know use OSM as opposed to to paying a company like Google for that for that data. To that end, you know, maybe that is, you know, you have this arena where you have all these companies collaborating and together, you know, they can then they can create something and use something that 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 rivals um rivals their biggest competitor. I can definitely see the the network effect taking over here. And I can completely understand why corporations and private people are interested in, in updating the map. I mean, there's a bunch of different reasons for that. Is there any conflict between these two groups? Do you see anything in the community that suggests that, oh, hey, we're not really interested in corporations coming here. This is built by the community for the community. We're not interested in you participating. Yeah. So, so this was research that I did in 2019 when we kind of identified that there was so much corporate editing, as we were calling it, really picking up in the basically between 2015 and, and 2018 is really when we saw this big, this big increase. And there's certainly concerns, right? You could imagine that if this is a map made by locals about their local community, that if a corporation came in and started making a, a lot of edits, that some people might feel that there's potential that they might get you know pushed out. I don't know that we have... The data to show that 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 really happens. Certainly, we could find you know such a big database. You can find little anecdotes here and there, but 
ultimately these teams are creating you know they're working all over the globe facebook uh through the introduction of their product uh, rapid editor incorporates machine learning to kind of help turbocharge mapping efforts and that was uh, heavily used to map most of the road network of thailand and and indonesia and ultimately uh you know they were able to collaborate i think with a lot of local mappers there and and fix some of these kind of conflicts that 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 arose about you know their presence uh there and so and there is a lot of discussion happening out there you know is this a corporate takeover the osm server that just went out you know asked people if they're concerned about these types of issues and i think that people are certainly skeptical and i think there's good reason to be skeptical and be aware but i don't know that the evidence necessarily supports that narrative yet and so it's i think it's important to be aware and to really study what's happening to to understand what the impact looks like and that's what we're and that's what we're trying to do so i i understand that each different corporation probably has different interests but when a corporation in general when they start editing an area do you see them going through and digitizing everything buildings houses uh, roads parks points of interest or do they focus on very specific topics it really does depend on what the purpose is so for example amazon logistics team they edit primarily in north america and the uk and they're editing driveways right and then they're turning around and using that data i believe in their delivery network so that they can be more efficient and know where certain driveways are and certain and certain homes and buildings and so when it comes to companies like that they're really focused on a specific type of data there's another company in egypt called digital egypt and they're focused on creating an incredible amount of data in OSM for Egypt and so they're doing they're mapping specifically building addresses in like Cairo and and last I looked Cairo might be one of the most completely mapped cities in terms of the building addresses and making that data you know really valuable and really usable there so yeah certainly different companies kind of have different pieces that they focus on which i think also enables kind of goes goes back to that question of okay if they're how does that change interaction with the with the local community we can find examples in the map where say yeah uh, you know facebook's work that laid the the road infrastructure in thailand that really started where there was there wasn't anything on the map in some of these more rural areas and now once the road network is in now other people show up um other community members show up and start mapping you know filling in the buildings so i think there's kind of a yeah there's there's definitely a lot of nuances into how the map into how the map fills in with regard to this kind of corporate influence. So editing the map that's one way of contributing to it. I think you mentioned before a tool called the Facebook Rapid Editor. So that's another way of contributing to the community to the effort by creating these tools. A wee while ago Microsoft used some incredible machine learning algorithm and some computer vision possibly a little bit of AI and produced these amazing um building footprint datasets for Canada for the US and for for Tanzania as well. Could they contribute that to the map as well? Could they just go in and dump this into the map and say here we we've done the work. Personally I I could see that this would be an a huge benefit to the community if all of a sudden they had all this extra data. Are contributions like that welcomed? You know that's that's a really good question and that's that was another big point on the survey uh that 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 people uh, kind of you know raised concerns about as we know we're going into more of an ai driven future and those two projects you bring up specifically go really well hand in hand so the 
the rapid editor that that Facebook created was a fork of the popular ID editor that allows a user to, as they're looking at aerial imagery, to see a road that has been determined through AI and machine vision to see the potential for a road. And instead of drawing that road, the the computer's already kind of drawn it in there for them. And they then can click that and say, yes, this road is is here, or oh no, that's not that's not proper. So in terms of an actual import into the map or that data just automatically going in, that's not that's not happening. There's still a human definitely in charge and being the one to finally click submit. And so the rapid editor actually, you know, now includes that full layer of all those Microsoft buildings. So when you're looking at it at an area, you can choose, okay, show me the, the Microsoft buildings. And now when I'm going to map a, a town, I can have the choice to see all the buildings that this AI thought were, were there. And I can then go click on the ones that, yes, that is a real building, uh, you know, click, 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 and then uh, click accept and, and submit and create that change set. And that is going to just speed up the mapping process uh, by not having to trace out those buildings individually, but it's still not necessarily an automatic ingestion of that data that would be called an import and those kind of have their own different regulations and best practices around them so that's what like a tool like that does speaking of tools though also mapbox has been building tools for years around uh, osm really popular one now would be osm cha which is the osm change set analyzer which allows users to go in and see what edits have been happening and tag things as you know incorrect or potential vandalism etc cetera, etc cetera. so Certainly, these communities, corporations, and, and, and organizations have been contributing tools to the map for a long time, as well as data and imagery, right? I don't know that we would even have OSM in its current form if we didn't have companies like Yahoo um, and Bing making openly available aerial imagery as early as like 2007, so that people had something to digitize to really grow that map. So... Again, just these nuances of of longtime corporate involvement um, in this project to to really make it such a, such a success. You talked about vandalism before, so you know we, we see attacks on the internet all the time where people, for whatever reason, decide they want to attack a website, a server, something like that. Have we ever seen anything like that with, with OSM, where people have purposely sought to to vandalize it to disrupt the service? Unfortunately, yes. Um, there has been some, you know, high-profile cases that did make the news, and those have been very unfortunate. Overall, though, the vandalism, explicit vandalism, I think, is far less common than kind of accidental uh, vandalism or poor quality. One example would be Pokemon Go. It was found that Niantic was using OpenStreetMap data in terms of how they were producing some of the the Pokemon that people were going out and 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 collecting. And so people were then going in and I believe they were drawing like ponds in OpenStreetMap in their backyard so that more of these like waterborne Pokemon would spawn in their backyard so that they could go catch them. And obviously that was incorrect. There wasn't a water feature in their backyard. And that became this kind of vandalism of the map of making this incorrect map, but it was being, you know, so in in that sense of vandalism, I think that's, you know, much more wholesome. It's like People figured that out and said, you know, okay, don't do this. That's not what this project is for. And, and, and that was less of a problem. Egregious cases, you know, yeah, have happened. Someone did change the name of New York to an ethnic slur, and that was picked up by some major media companies. And I don't think that did any favors for the project. But most important thing is that that edit was, you know, reverted back and changed and fixed by someone in the community within hours of it, of it happening. And so maybe that speaks to the quality of the community and the response and kind of, you know, guaranteed of quality over time. 
this seems like the the perfect project, right? The the poster child for community, the poster child for public and private communities working together to create this common good. Is it like that? Like, is it this sort of perfect symbiosis where everybody gets what they what, what they need? <laughs> Certainly not. I think that there's you know there are a lot of really feel good aspects to the project, and the success is amazing to. To witness, but there are a lot of definitely challenges. Diversity and representation in the map is a is a huge problem, and this has been you know acknowledged as a as a major problem that the board needs to be addressing. And they are they're trying to take the first steps in addressing uh, some of these these issues and representation. The mailing list, uh, if you follow that, that you know a lot of these issues get get brought up there, and and there's a lot of disagreements around that. So. Yeah, word of the hour is probably, you know, the nuances of OSM. But overall, I think it is a fantastic example of it is still very successful and it's growing every day. It's continuing to improve. New users are joining every day and the world is 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 getting mapped to that end. Absolutely. But there's certainly a long ways to go. I just want to be clear here. I am a super fan of this project and I'm definitely not looking for conflict where, where no conflict exists. I'm just curious. That's all. You mentioned before diversity and representation. What do you mean by that? Are we talking about different cultures being involved in, in creating the map? Are we talking about different understandings? Are we talking about different cultural, physical objects, geographic places being mapped and named in an appropriate way? What are we talking about when we talk about diversity in the map? Sure. I'm speaking specifically about diversity in the, in the community. And so, you know, gender diversity, racial diversity. It's definitely a you know a Eurocentric uh, project in that that's where it started and where it really took root. The largest community is the the German community, and then I believe the the kind of the United States community because it's such a large area, just by number of mappers. And that becomes the question of okay, is this just a if you have this Eurocentric domination in the makeup of the community, is that going to be reflected in the in what gets mapped? I don't think that's necessarily true. That that will necessarily create that. But I think that obviously creating a more diverse mapping community around the world is going to uh, create better opportunities for local data, et cetera. And so that's certainly happening. And it's been amazing to see like the state of the map Africa, for example, has been a, an annual conference now that's been running and focused on the, the mapping that's happening in Africa, uh, many uh, local communities, local chapters. So this is great to see that this is definitely improving. But to say that it's that there's equal representation within the community isn't accurate. But I think that we can, you know, always be striving to to get closer to uh, equality there. What would be a showstopper for OpenStreetMap? Because you know, back in the day, Yahoo was the internet for a while there, and then Google took over as being the gatekeeper. Is there anything out there that sort of rivals OpenStreetMap at the moment? Hmm. You know, the the biggest rival in terms of data source would be you know Google Maps. And they're going to continue to grow. But I think the rate at which OSM is growing and, and its price point of you know, free is always going to be able to, to rival that. I see that as maybe the largest you know, data-wise competitor. But I don't know that, I don't know that there's you know, another, another open geographic data project that, could, that, would, that would threaten it. If we change the way that we you know, use and consume spatial data, that could that could kind of change, but I don't I don't see anything on the horizon around that. You know, we're still we still just need spatial data for the whole world. 
when I think about free, like free can be a lot of different things. It can be you know here today, gone tomorrow. It can be unreliable. It can be not necessarily a, not a standard product, for example. You know, that, that's one thing that free could be. Do you think OSM suffers from that? Does it have a, a branding problem sometimes when, oh, it's from OSM? I remember back in the day when I was at university, for example, if I referenced Wikipedia, it is an amazing source of information, right? But if I referenced it, I remember my professor saying, oh, I don't know if that really counts to, to reference Wikipedia. Yeah. Well, so in terms of the the longevity of the of the project, that was just voted, I think, the most important role of the board moving forward is security of the of the infrastructure and forward thinking in terms of yeah, what what the next steps are to keep to keep the project alive. And so there's definitely a big focus on that. So in terms of here today, gone tomorrow, I'm not I'm not worried about it in in that regard. Um I think that there's a lot of great people working to make sure that OSM stays alive. In terms of yeah, comparison to Wikipedia, I think is so is so great. And yes, Wikipedia has been, you know, that's been a problem among university students forever of professors saying, you know, it's a great place to start for your research, but it's, you know, it's not actually, you know, it's not peer-reviewed, but in, in a different way of, you know, the quality of the of the data there and the trustworthiness. Whereas, yeah, OpenStreetMap is this is this open data set that's openly editable. And so that's why there are a lot many projects out there uh, to really work at validating these, um, this data and like OSM CHA would be kind of one of the, the big tools to, to confirm that. But yeah, the, the, at the end of the day, the map's going to, to represent, you know, what people have, have put into it. And so it's, there is kind of this worry that it could be vulnerable to, uh, to some of these, these larger quality issues, but overall in a case where you have no data or open street map data, having the OSM data is always, is always going to, to win. So now the, the big question, what does what the future of OpenStreetMap look like? And I realize it's, it's a difficult one to answer. <laughs> Maybe I should rephrase that. Maybe I say, what are you most excited about when you think about the future of OSM? OSM is not a product. That's kind of the, the design is that it's, it's really just the, the collection of data and trying to be the most truthful, complete, accurate collection of, of, of open geospatial data out there that then anyone can, can consume and build their own products on top of it. But I think that there's something amazing about OSM being this, you know, map of the world made, you know, hopefully eventually by the world. I think that's, that's what I see as this, the exciting future is that OSM remains this amazing high quality source of, of geographic information that's open and free. And, and, you know, that's currently the direction that board is definitely, you know, trying to protect and, and that's what's in the the database license, and I don't see that that's necessarily under under threat or anything right now. So I think that that's really what the future looks like. Is um, you know this, the success of this project is is in the is in the numbers of of contributors, and it's continuing to grow every every day. So that's what I see. You know, eventually, hopefully, a a more complete and accurate uh, representation of of the world, and this data is being consumed by anyone anyone who can and and wants to consume it and and do something. Do something hopefully neat and, and revolutionary and exciting. Jennings, I really want to thank you for your time. Thank you very much for coming along today and shedding a little bit of light on the OpenStreetMap project for us. I really appreciate it. Is there anywhere the listeners can go if they want to reach out to you, if they want to learn more about the, the research that, that you're doing? Yeah, my, my website's probably the best place. That's just uh, JenningsAnderson.com. Wonderful. I'll be sure to include that in the show notes. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. 
So I really hope you enjoyed that episode with Jennings Anderson. As I, I mentioned just before we said goodbye to Jennings, I'll put a link to his website in the show notes to make it easier for you to track him down if you're interested. And that's it for another episode of the Mapscaping Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. It's much appreciated. As always, you're more than welcome to reach out to me. You can find me on Twitter and LinkedIn. I'm most active there. Or go to our website, mapscaping.com. And uh, yeah, you can find me those places. Feel free to reach out to me. I would love to hear from you. Okay, we'll talk again next week. Bye.